Hello, everyone, and welcome to Now We're Talking, episode number two. This is a podcast about how to improve your communication skills. And in our first episode, we were talking about what communication is and talking about the two main questions you can ask yourself if you want to improve your communication skills. And those were what effect have I had and what has the other person heard. And the rest of the episodes of this podcast are going to develop those two questions in more particular fashion. And today what I want to talk about are some of the basics of interpersonal communication. Interpersonal communication has to do with one person is talking with one other person. And usually most of the research around interpersonal communication is concerned with romantic relationships or friendships or family relationships. And it's interesting in my field, um, we have two basic core courses that have been part of uh, an education in communication studies for a long, long time. One of them is public speaking and the other one is interpersonal communication. Uh, I think that uh, I can imagine no more fundamental life skill than interpersonal communication skills. Although we, for the most part, uh, higher education at least, thinks that writing and is the most important communication skill, and then oftentimes public speaking, at least at American universities, is a second main communication skill. Uh, many, 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 many more students across North America take courses in writing or in public speaking than take courses in interpersonal communication, which is a shame because I can't think of any skill more fundamental to both professional and personal success. And by professional success, I imagine you know trying to work in some set of circumstances where you're no good at getting along one-on-one with other people, either the, your manager or the people you work with or the people that work for you, etc. In your personal life, uh, we know we know that romantic happiness and having good friends increases or enhances the quality of one's life. We know these things, so we know that. Um, If you're good at interpersonal communication, you'll be professionally more successful and personally more fulfilled by the quality of your relationships. Yet lots of students don't take courses in interpersonal communication. Lots of people don't even recognize it as as a a field of study or a field of um, intellectual inquiry, at least. I'm going to start today, it's it's kind of a brief episode, by just going over some of the kind of basic, most basic rules of interpersonal communication or most basic considerations. We're not going to get too far into very specific practices just yet, although we will um, in the coming weeks. I'm just trying to lay some groundwork here. And in laying that groundwork, I'm going to try and follow up on or follow through on the first episode and those questions that we posed originally. Uh, In that episode, I was talking about communication as a process of producing effects, the follow-up or the the, uh, elaboration of that is to say that communication is also a matter of forming or coming into relationship with other people. When we're talking about communication, we're asking what kind of relationship is formed through this interaction. And that's also, I want to start by saying that's also a very different kind of, it's a very, very different kind of question than the question about the transmission of information. What information is being moved from point A to point B is a radically different question 
then what kind of relationship is being fostered, maintained, formed, changed, enacted by this practice? So I think for starters, in interpersonal communication, when we ask what effect have I had, we need to know that one of the effects that you're having is that you're forming a relationship with another person. That relationship can be marked by or can be defined by hostility, aggression, difference, sameness, love, kindness, mercy. Any one of a number of different descriptors can define that relationship. So um, we need to be careful and look out for how our communicative practices are forming relationships and not just transmitting information. So with that in mind, I want to go through what I consider to be the five kind of basic uh, rules or basic insights into interpersonal communication. So remember, interpersonal communication, it deals with two people and interacting with one another. Those two people are producing effects on each other, and those two people are coming into relationship with each other. So when those two people are talking with one another, they're not just transmitting information, they're producing effects and they're forming a relationship. So here's the first kind of basic rule of interpersonal communication. And that's the rule that you cannot not communicate. So you can't not communicate is rule one. This means that even the attempt to not communicate communicates something. And look at it this way. If I'm refusing to share information with you, so if I take the transmission model of communication as a starting point, and I refuse to send some information to you, I can say I'm refusing to communicate with you. But you can't say that if you put relationships and effects first. If you foreground the question of what kind of relationship is being formed or what effect am I producing, and background the question about information exchange, what happens is that your refusal to say something or to transmit information does produce an effect on the other person, and it does form your relationship or alter your relationship or construct your relationship in a particular way. The reason you can't avoid interpersonal communication is because you are always producing effects on others in the world. You can't not communicate because you can't avoid producing effects. Our very position in the world means that we're constantly communicating to others through these effects. Unfortunately, most of us do this unconsciously or without any critical reflection on what and how we're affecting others. In fact, many communication scholars like to say things like, 90% of communication is nonverbal. What they mean by that is that all the unconscious ways in which we hold our body, the tone of our voice, the direction that we're looking, all these unconscious things are busy producing effects on others. And because these unconscious things are busy producing effects on others, they are the essential features of the communicative process. They are communication. And you can't avoid being implicated in such a process. As soon as you walk into a room, you're producing effects on others. Whether or not you're sharing information with them, whether or not you want to share information with them, or trying not to share information with them, that's irrelevant. You're producing effects always already. And because you're always already producing effects, you're always already uh, coming into relationship with these other, the other people. So that's the first rule. You can't not communicate. 
that rule kind of um, suggests that we ought to pay attention to the unconscious ways in which we are producing effects on others. The second rule of interpersonal communication is that it's multimodal. Uh, multimodal is a fancy word um, that means basically there are different instruments, different modes, different mechanisms, different ways in which we produce effects on others. And we highlight the fact that interpersonal communication is multimodal because we want to let people know that it's not only words that are producing effects. So your words do produce an effect, but a whole bunch of other things, especially in, in interpersonal relationships, produce a whole bunch of other effects. In fact, tone, touch, and gesture are sometimes more important than words or sentences. And tone, touch, and gesture produce profound and lasting effects on others. As a shorthand example of that, if you're in an inter intimate interpersonal relationship, you've got a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a, a wife, a husband, or whatever, a long-term partner, and you and your partner are get in an argument, and conflict is inevitable in interpersonal communication, which we'll talk about in some episode. Conflict is inevitable. You get in an argument with your, your partner. That argument is 90, we're 90% sure the argument will end in the same way it begins in relationship to tone. So if the argument begins with a hostile and aggressive tone, odds are the argument will end in a kind of hostile and aggressive, and aggressive place. If the argument begins with a tone of compassion or empathy um, or sadness or whatever, is being, whatever emotion is being conveyed by the initiating tone will be the emotion that's felt at the end of the conflict. So really constructive conflicts begin with an empathetic tone and really destructive conflicts begin with a tone of resentment. And what that means is, or what I take from that is this issue that interpersonal communication is, is multimodal. It means that the channel, the, this other channel, the channel of tone carries more significance than the actual content of the words being communicated. So whatever the fight is about, even if the couple manages to reconcile about the fight, um, if the fight doesn't get reconciled, what's more important is the tone with which the fight begins, because that will tell me how the tone ends and it will condition the effects produced by the arguments and the kind of relationship that the two people have come into through the argument. Um, it's not just tone, touch, and gesture. Um, all these other things play a role in interpersonal communication. So um, the very, very famous John Gottman, who runs this institute in Washington, uh, he's famous for watching two couples uh, talk to one another, and he doesn't listen at all to what they have to say. He video records the conversation, and he can tell by the f movement in their faces, the movement of facial muscles, whether or not those that couple is basically communicating resentment through these other channels, not through their words. And if they're communicating resentment, then Gottman knows that they're going to get divorced or they have a 95% chance of getting divorced or breaking up. If they're communicating these other more positive emotions through their faces, then they're going to stay together. They're going to be fine whether or not they're arguing or not arguing. Gottman is just sort of proving 
that interpersonal communication is multimodal and that you can learn about the effects that are produced uh, and the relationships that are built through channels other than words. So at some point in the podcast, we'll talk a bunch about nonverbal communication. Uh, we'll talk about these other channels, tone and such, um, when we get there. Third rule of interpersonal communication is that it's irreversible. So interpersonal communication is irreversible. You can't take something back you've said. And the reason you can't take something back you've said that you said is that you can't undo an effect. The effect inevitably remains. The effect kind of produces an imprint on the other person. And you don't just ever erase that imprint. This is really important for inti intimate relationships and for uh, long-term friendships because we think we can say something hurtful to our partner. Uh, we call them a jerk, whatever. And then a, an hour later, we say, oh, no, no, I want to take it back. I didn't mean what I said. I'm sorry. You apologize. But it doesn't work quite like that. Uh, you can't undo the effect that you produced, the emotional effect that you produced by saying those words in the first place. That effect will remain permanently, forever. It's not going to go anywhere. The only way to undo that effect is, of course, with the kinds of communicative practices that produce positive effects instead of negative ones uh, to outweigh the effect of the original claim. But in any intimate interpersonal relationship, the effect remains even if the words, even if you want to take back the words or you think you can take back the words, you can't. So interpersonal communication is irreversible. The fourth uh, rule of interpersonal communication. I don't know if I should be calling them rules. They're more like rules of thumb. But the fourth rule of thumb for interpersonal communication is that it's complex. And this may seem like a silly one, but in the light of the first episode, I don't think it's silly at all. Because interpersonal communication involves another person, that means that other person has their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own biography, their own context. That other person largely determines the success or the failure of our communicative practices. So if you're consistently in the position of communicating with, some, with imperfect knowledge and incomplete knowledge about that other person's thoughts, feelings, and biography, that means communication probably is going to fail more often than it succeeds. It means that words, gestures, tone, or touch are all misunderstood and misinterpreted. And therefore, it also means that there are constantly unintended consequences or unintended effects. Unintended effects are always produced by our words, by our tone, by our gestures, by our touch, because we have this incomplete knowledge of the other person's biography and feelings and thoughts. And uh, when I say that interpersonal communication is complex, I mean that um, we're locating the significance of the, of the interpersonal interaction in the effect produced on the other person, in the relationship you've built with the other person. But that renders the process uh, somewhat vague or difficult or um, complex or unclear because you don't know enough about the other person's feelings or thoughts or biography to really know beforehand what's going to work and what's not going to work, what's going to have the effect that you want and what's not going to have the effect that you want. So interpersonal communication is complex for those reasons. The fifth sort of rule of interpersonal communication is that it's contextual. 
And uh, this shouldn't come as a surprise. I'll probably say many, 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 many times, and we might have a whole episode devoted to context, but if I was ever going to get a tattoo, it might be something like context matters someplace. Uh, psychological, situational, environmental, and cultural context create the meaning for words, gestures, or tone. A word, a gesture, a tone doesn't have any meaning absent a context. And those contexts determine the effects of a communicative act just as much as the content of the communicative act. So one sentence in one context may mean something. The same sentence in a different context may mean something else. Uh, lots of people, and if you ever kind of, if you ever get yourself into difficult circumstances and someone accuses you of something, of being wrong or being, of doing something bad, um, be careful to make sure that the person doing the accusing is not taking the meaning of, of something you did out of context. Because if you evacuate the context from something, you can make the gesture or the tone or the sentence mean anything. But if you feel back in the context, you get a better sense of what the word or the gesture or the tone actually meant. Uh, in interpersonal interactions, that context is highly idiosyncratic and highly specific. And sometimes you might read the context wrong. Go back to rule four, interpersonal communication is complex. There are occasions in which you might think it's appropriate to tell a joke and you say something that you think is funny and your partner interprets it as hurtful or upsetting. It's probably hurtful or upsetting, not because of the content of the joke, but because of the occasion, the situation, the context in which, in which the joke was, was made. So interpersonal communication and all communication, frankly, is contextual. The context will determine the effect more so than the actual content of the words. This is another reason why the transmission model of communication is nonsense. The transmission model of communication assumes that the meaning of, of the transmission is inside the signal, but that's ridiculous. The meaning is about the relationship between the signal and the context within which the signal is received. If I'm gonna speak in terms of the transmission model of communication, which I don't really wanna do. Uh, the point is a word doesn't have any meaning on its own out of context. The word only means something inside a context, just like a gesture or tone means something only inside a context. So those are the five sort of basic rules of interpersonal communication. You can't not communicate. It's interpersonal communication is multimodal. It's irreversible, it's complicated, and it's contextual. If you put those five things first, if you think about those five things um, as fundamental issues for interpersonal communication, you're in a better position to determine how to improve your interpersonal communication practices and therefore how to be a better partner a better friend, a better lover, a better colleague, a better family member, a better acquaintance. We'll need to reflect on how our context, our culture, our words, our touch, our tone, our gestures, um, and bodies are always establishing kinds of relationships between us and the people in our lives. And we'll do some work in this podcast investigating those sorts of things. Um, I think it's good to remember that we have the power to draw people closer to us to make people feel loved, to bring people pleasure and to, to bring them joy. We have the power to forge royal, loyal friendships, to maintain networks of supporters. Um, we do all this through interpersonal communication. We don't do all that through the expression of our feelings or the exchange of information. 
We do that through interpersonal communication that attends to the what effect have I had question and not the did you get it question, which I think is the basic insight here. So as we kind of proceed with some of the episodes of this podcast, we're going to try and talk about specific, in terms of interpersonal communication at least, specific interpersonal communication practices that we can use to help draw people closer to us, to establish intimacy, to produce the kinds of effects that we want to produce. But we have to do that knowing these things, knowing that you can't not communicate, knowing that that interpersonal communication is multimodal, complex, contextual, and irreversible. Once we know that, then we can get into some more specific interpersonal communication practices. I think if uh, everyone kind of learned these things, everyone had this view of interpersonal communication, we'd all potentially be a lot better at it and we'd improve rapidly the quality of our our lives by improving the quality of our friendships and the quality of our, our working relationships and the quality of our intimate relationships. At least that's the payoff and that's what we try and teach in interpersonal communication courses. I taught my first interpersonal communication course and I think it was 2000, it may have been 2001. Um, so it's been about 15 years that I've taught versions of interpersonal communication. And it's a lucky class to teach because the students are inevitably really fascinated by the topic and they're always really engaged and um, you get a lot to reflect on in your own life kind of immediately in immediate circumstances. So hopefully we'll bring some of that knowledge to this podcast also in some of the kinds of lessons that we learn in the basic interpersonal communication course. That's it for now. I think in next week's episode, we will take up some very specific interpersonal communication practices that will hopefully um, translate into sort of immediate improved communication skills. I want to try in episode three to be as specific as I can be and recommend particular practices to produce the kinds of effects that we want to produce in our friendships and in our intimate relationships. So that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you'll tune in again next week. This has been Now We're Talking with Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo. And I'll talk to everyone next week.